Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message impacts you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us. We hope you enjoy this message. I'm loving summer series C3 Church Hobart. We're, we're a part of uh, what is January. We're doing epic tales. Epic tales, they're all about picking those true biblical stories, those ones that if you uh, throw yourself back into the past, uh, pick up the time when you are going to Sunday school, as I did at a beautiful uh, Boat Harbour Bible Chapel on the northwest coast of Tasmania. We used to have all these, all these epic tales, and we used to get them like every week, and they came with songs. I don't know about you, but like I just remember so many great songs like Faith is Like a Muscle. Does anyone remember that one? John O'Hosford's going to be with me on all of these. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. Now, I won't sing because I'm not a singer and I will not want to embarrass yourself as well as myself. So my name's James. Uh, I'm married to uh, my better half, Natalie, over here to my right. And uh, I married really well. In fact, if I was giving you any coaching advice in life, I'd say just marry well. The rest of it takes care for itself. So we have two children, uh, Ava, who's four, and Chase, who's two. Now, Ava, well, they're both like their mum. Thankfully, they picked up their mum's DNA, and they're, uh, they're outstandingly good-looking children. And uh, so Ava, she's just, uh, she's the blonde bombshell. She's just got so much energy. She's into everything. She's like gorgeous like a mother, stubborn like her mother, creative like her mother. She's all over it. And then there's Chase. Chase is like this little two-year-old rhino, and he just likes running through people and things. And so uh, he weighs more than Ava right now. He just, he, he sits up for dinner at like 9am and he sits up for dinner at 11am and then at 1 and goes again. So it's an incredible stage of life. No one could have predicted, uh, isn't it true parents? No one could have trained you or predicted for you uh, the, uh, the parallel or the, or, the, or the space between such joy and yet such hardship at, some, at the same point, all crammed together in one little package. And go from the Haji, they're so cute. Don't touch the breakages. We've uh, we've just moved house, and and I've kind of just you have that moment where it's like, oh, don't don't like it's a new table. Don't jam your fork into it, and you're just like, let it go, James. Let it go. You're just gonna have to buy another one in ten years. This one's going to be going straight to the second hand shop. So Nat and I, we've been a part of this church community for uh, nearly sixteen years. We, uh, we were sent, uh, kicked out of home by our parents and uh, told, you know, go down here and study at a, a little school called the University of Tasmania. Uh, some of you may have heard it. And uh, we, we, as 16, 17-year-olds, had no idea what we were embarking on, no idea what we were doing. And so the first thing we did, uh, once we found a bed over our head, is uh, we found a place to come and worship the Lord. And thus, here we are 16 years later. This house of God is outstanding. If you want to live a life that will stretch you and strain you and grow you to do great exploits for God, just keep hanging around this place. Just keep hanging around this place. We had the privilege of being the youth pastors for nearly eight years. Um, 
And if I haven't done it, I apologise to those parents that now have 17-year-old kids um, that are wrecked because Nat and I were let loose on them. Um, we probably blame Pastor Lucas because he let us let loose on them. And uh, it was a sensational time of pursuing God and learning to hear from God and communicate to a generation of young people. And I've always been passionate about seeing young people and beyond young people. I have become more and more passionate about seeing strong foundations in people's spirituality. In fact, through my university, I studied engineering, um, stayed with the civil side of the world, uh, which is wonderful. And more than ever, you or I have learnt the principles that have shadowed into the spiritual world to an understanding of the weight of spiritual strength and the impact and the influence that it can have in your life. Even now, and, and for people that work in construction, which I now do, simple illustrations on a daily basis echo to me the importance of our spiritual strength and our spiritual walk. Just one project that I'm on at the moment, largest wind farm in Tasmania's history being built in the middle of Tasmania. And just the other week I was there and I was standing on the top of a rocky outcrop and I was looking at where these wind turbines were going to be built over what is thousands of acres. And this footing was being prepared, the foundation was being prepared for a three and a half megawatt, a large generator that was going to sit on a high tower and it was going to have blades that exceeded 120 metres in the air. Now, you put wind farms where it's windy, so we'll cross that bridge. So these wind towers are going to experience this huge amount of energy and force from the wind. And I remember standing there looking and being just amazed at the size of these footings in excess for anyone who's in construction or, or, or can spatially get this, 450 cubic metres of concrete in excess of 1,000 tonnes of concrete. It's just mind-blowing. And all of that is just something that has to happen to allow these towers to stand in the middle of these winds and to see the winds blow through the blades and create this energy. And so I am incredibly passionate about seeing us as a community grow in our spiritual strength, grow in ourselves so greatly that the world around us starts to look smaller. And so this morning, we're on this journey through January around epic tales, and there's so many wonderful tales that we can pick and so many great illustrations that all of us should learn about and understand and see where it and how it applies to our life in a, in a changing life as the years go on. But there is one story that I have found quite profound. It's a story that is well known. It's a story that shows the depths of um, one man or a couple had to experience in God so that God's glory and his purposes could shine brightly. question I want to pose to you this morning in your life, does the gospel inside you exceed the problems that surround you? 
Does the gospel that lives inside you, does the God you know, does the resilience of your spirit exceed the problems that surround you? Too many times you can see life and you can see people in life and you can see the winds of life, the hardships, the challenges, the all of a sudden, the out of the moments, the unmet expectations that come against us from time to time. And those foundations are put under strain. They're put under pressure. And here in the gospel, in the Word of God, is an encouragement and a training and an equipping for our lives so that the inner man can exceed the experiences of our natural world and the life that we live. And so this morning, I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you. In the midst of that question, if there's parts of your life where you're like, oh, I'm flooded, I I just haven't kind of got my head around this. If it's challenging and hard or you haven't found the solution in it, this morning, I pray is going to be significant for you. I want to read to you this morning uh, a short illustration by a theologian, uh, Scott McKnight. Many of you may uh, be aware of Scott, uh, American theologian, great writer, has some great insights. And he says this in one of his, uh, one of his blogs and his illustrations. They're great to read. He says, I sometimes worry we have settled for a little gospel, a miniaturized version that cannot address the robust problems of our world. But as close to us are the pages of the nearby Bible, we can find the Bible's robust gospel, a gospel that is much bigger than many of us have dared to believe. The gospel is a story of the work of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to completely restore broken image bearers. In the context of the community of faith, through life, through death, through resurrection of Jesus Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit in union with God and communion with others for the good of the world. The gospel may be bigger than this description, but it certainly is not smaller. And as we declare this robust gospel in the face of our real robust problems, we will rediscover just how different it is from the small gospel we sometimes have believed and proclaimed. I don't know about you, but I'd suspect that there's people here in this room that even now and in the weeks to come that we will experience challenges and situations in our life that's going to demand that we have a robust gospel inside of us that can respond with maturity and strength. See, I've learnt one thing in my short time on planet Earth. It's stayed with me ever since I heard it as a young teenager. Sometimes people view this book as an old manuscript, a story, an illustration, but I've once told that this Bible, this book is supernatural in origin. 66 books of the Bible. God conspired writers throughout hundreds of years to compile what we're seeing here today 
as the Bible. This Bible, supernatural in origin, it's supernatural in context. And so today here, as we open this Word of God in just a minute, and as you open it on a daily basis, this Word is fitting right for you in your circumstances to help you journey in your relationship with God and to live your best life in the place that you are. And finally, this Bible right here is supernatural in application. When you apply this to your life, when you get beyond just normality, just it is what it is, it's just how it became, and you start applying the Word of God to your life, that is where miracles take place, transformation occurs. God gets in the middle of circumstance and completely changes the orientation in which something in your life may be going. And so this morning I want to take you uh, into the, the book of Genesis and we are going to explore the story of Abraham and Isaac. If you've got your Bibles, uh, you can turn to Chapter 22, we're going to read from there. Now, there's a, a short reading I need to do here, and the reason why I want to go right through this story is you may never have heard of this story of Abraham and Isaac, and so I want you to have a full uh, understanding of this story, because I want to go back and I want to draw out some lessons for you that I have learned in my life that I believe will be so applicable to us where we're at in our world. And I want to encourage you that we've got such a great reason, such a great purpose in life in 2019 to embrace the lessons and the learnings from these heroes of the faith. You know, last week we looked at Daniel, we looked at a young 16-year-old. This week I want to look at a 99-year-old man where this story is centered around. God wants to use all of us, no matter where our age is at, to do something significant for his kingdom. There is such a need in this generation for us to stand up as a Christian community and proclaim the gospel into every part of our lives. The first I heard this morning from Stuart about a young girl that we do CrossFit with breaks my heart. Is there not a cause that's worthy for us to stand up in our faith and absolutely preach the gospel so that people can experience the love of Christ and the transforming power of Christ? And this story speaks to us because Abraham, he's been around a little while. He's known of God. He's journeyed a bit with God. In fact, he's starting to live out some promises from God, which was to have a relationship to, with God, to have children, to have land as far as the stars and the sand. And so he's living out of this promised position. And I actually believe we live in a promised position. And so we have this responsibility in our faith to stand up and to proclaim the gospel. You see, on the other side of our obedience, which is what this story is about, is other people's destinies. I find one of the greatest prohibitors for myself and for others in this beautiful state of Tasmania, this beautiful nation of Australia, is this thing called apathy. This thing where we get complacent that it's all great here. God's God, 
The apples are great. The fruit's great. Everyone from all over the world's flying here to be tourists. And so that can lead to, if we don't keep a real appreciation in context for the gift that God has given, it can lead to apathy. Apathy leads to a non-participation by us in evoking the gospel and building the kingdom in the worlds and lives around us. Too often people say, oh, church is about people that are doing it tough or whatever. No, no. No, no. We're in a society where people are so up and about, they're experiencing all kinds of depression and hardship. And so just for those who are without, those that have lots in this worldly context still are yet poor in spirit. And so the harvest is ripe. And we need to participate in growing ourselves so that we can grow others. Let's drop into this story right here. Now it came to pass, after these things, that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your one and only son Isaac, whom you love, And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there is a burnt offering on one of the mountains in which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled up his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and he arose and he went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted his eyes saw the place afar off, and Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, the lad, and I will go yonder, and we'll worship, and we will come back to you. And so Abraham took the wood, the burnt offering, and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. And so the two of them went together and they came to the place which God told them. Abraham built an altar there, placed the wood, bound Isaac his son, and set him upon the altar. Abraham stretched out his hand, took the knife, slay his son but the angel of the Lord came from heaven and said Abraham Abraham and he said here I am and he said do not lay a hand on the lad or anything to him for now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son your only son from me and then Abraham lifted his eyes looked and behold behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns and so Abraham went took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the Lord, the Lord will provide, and said to this day, in this mountain of the Lord, it shall be provided. I don't know about you, but if that's the first time that you've ever heard this story of Abraham and Isaac, it's very confronting, very confronting. Just told you about my four-year-old daughter and my two-year-old son. And in this context, Abraham is being tested by the Lord. Tested for his obedience. We know the end of the story, but he doesn't. 
So you've got to understand that there was no sign or miracle at the start of this. There's no Bible. There's, there's no end known. There's no template where Scripture is written. Abraham is actually liaising with this unknown God. And he listens. He has participation with God. And so he acts out of obedience. If I was to title this message, I'd title it Life in the Faith Lane. We can live a life that's fantastic. We can live a life that's safe, unhindered, goes pretty well. We can generally participate in the will of God. Or as Abraham right here has centered himself fully in learning, discerning from God and being obedient. I want to draw, draw your attention to verse 1 because I believe there are so many illustrations out of this scripture that we have just read that apply to us real time in our journey in life. In verse 1, it says this, And now it came to pass, after these things, that God tested Abraham. I don't know about you, but I think we all experience a testing of our faith from time to time. When I moved down here in 17 years of age, I walked into a university degree that everyone just thought that would be great, so good for you, you can learn these things. I don't know, it was the toughest five years of my life. I say five years because I failed enough subjects to make it five years. I don't know about you, but sometimes when you wake up two years into a degree with the imminent fear of failure in your head in cold sweats, there's a moment here where the rubber's hitting the road. And you have to square yourself up and you have to say, Lord, how do you want me to respond? How do you want me to step into this situation, this testing of my faith? In verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took the two young men with him and Isaac, his son, split the wood for the burnt offering. I don't know about you, but some of you might find that in a test or a testing that you're in, a testing time, not only is the object of challenge, but it's more than that. It's a journey of challenge. Abraham right here had to prepare to go on this journey for three days travel to take the wood and to carry the fire. And I want to encourage you this morning that God is with us not only through the test but the testing, the journey of time. When I found myself in hardship, uncertain whether I should be pursuing my degree or just checking out and going back to be a simple farmer, when the Lord spoke to me, when he challenged me and said, no, I'm teaching you to build the kingdom of God, I had to square myself up and be prepared for the preparation of the wood and the fire. 
the two more years that came when everything said, get out, go home, I had to put my head down and trust in God through those hard, imagine that, imagine that. Your only son, he's now six or seven years of age. He's not some dumb young kid. He's going to know exactly what's going on when he starts to add this up. And you've got to split the wood. You've got to prepare yourself. You've got to carry the fire. You've got to take the donkey, two supporting men, and you've got to go three days. And yet the Lord is with him. In verse 5, one of the most powerful things that I've learned in my young life, and one I want to encourage you with, Abraham said to the young man, stay here with the donkey, the lad, and I will go yonder and worship, and we'll come back to you. One of the most challenging things about your testing is some loneliness that comes with it. Leaving the proximity of support and help and having to step out into a level of further unknown. Do you know what I find incredibly powerful about this? illustration right here is that he goes to a place of worship he goes to a place of worship i don't know if sacrificing your son on a mountain would be deemed worship to the two people that are helping you get there but wherever you're at in life whatever your circumstance I say to you, go to your place of worship in God. Go to the secret place that you have in God where you can pray, where the Spirit can intercede and build the inner man and find strength, reliance on God for the journey that is at hand. Come with me to 22 verse 7. And Isaac spoke to Abraham, the father. My father, he said, here I am, son. And he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb? Where is the lamb? Where is your lamb? Where's the solution to your problem? Where is it? Can you see it? Is it near to you? You understand what it might be? Abraham's response is this. My son, God himself shall provide the lamb for the burnt offering. Whatever circumstance that we face, when we go to God in worship, when we trust in God, right here we experience this profound moment of faith that Abraham has, where his inner man stands up and says, my son, because all the circumstances, pretty skeptical, there's no lambs laying around. And he points and he says, the Lord shall provide. There was a day actually, I remember vividly, and uh, if you haven't been a part of this community for that long. I remember where there were quite a few of us kneeling in prayer in an office after four banks knocked back every finance request 
that was put forward with skill for us to buy this facility, to see this facility become our home. I don't know if you've had those moments, those moments where after every effort is made, there is only one effort. And I feel like it's the effort that the Lord wants to see us experience so that we can learn to rely upon Him. And so on that floor, collective of people, many faces I can see here, we prayed, Lord, all of these answers are no. Every, everywhere we turn, turn, it's no. Every case we push for, it's no. But Lord, we know that we know that we know that we know that your hand is upon this and that you want to see this come to fruition. And I think the more I look back upon that was a place of abandonment to everyone's gifts and talents and there was a moment where God could provide the provision for the vision that he had. Here today we are in a part of that facility, in that story. Verse 14, I'll go back a step. In verse 10, it says this, And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Simple as this, people. Are you prepared? Are you prepared to step out in faith? Unless we are prepared to step out in faith with action, it's all meaningless. Peter stepped out of the boat with a little faith and began to walk on water. Whatever situation or circumstance we face in life, whatever position in life we find ourselves in, my encouragement today is to make sure that you're discerning and stepping out in faith, whether it's in your school, in your business, whatever situation, good or bad, my encouragement today from this scripture is to step out in faith. Turn to verse 14. It's the last point I want to draw out for you this morning before we come to a close. And the Abraham called up the name of the place and he said, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. Three more years it took to get through my university degree. I don't know what your story is. Three more years of challenge and hardship, of digging deep. I'm not naturally academic three more years and my experience from that is that what the Lord sets in motion he will bring to completion the resilience of that story in my life holds so true for me today in the building of my character and my spirit to face the new circumstances and the new challenges that will come my way. Wherever we're at, whatever the life's thrown us, and God doesn't throw all trials at us, 
Other trials come from different places. But he is working together in us for good. And he will bring goodness from circumstance. Whatever that is that's thrown at you, however that is, right, wrong or indifferent, God is going to fashion in the season and situation that you find yourself in. See, Abraham shows us that faith and obedience leads to trust and confidence. And this morning, if, if you've known Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for a while, if the story of Abraham and Isaac is so familiar to you because you've lived it for 10, 20, 40 years, I want to challenge you this morning. Where's your faith and obedience? Is it turning into trust and confidence so that your capacity, your engine, your spiritual strength is growing to be able to carry out the will of God in your life and for the people around you? Does the gospel inside you really exceed the problems that surround you? Because I believe it can. In fact, I never, I believe it never stops growing. Never stops growing. Romans 5, 1 to, say, 1 to 6 says this. It says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have a peace in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have access by faith into this grace which we stand and rejoice in the hope and glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because of the love of God that has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that has been given. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for us. Verse 8 says, But God demonstrated His own love towards us that whilst we were still Sinners, whilst we were still separated, doing our own thing, Christ died for us. Why don't you close your eyes and bow your heads this morning? Lord, we just thank you for this life of Abraham, of faith and of obedience. Lord, we thank you that the conclusion of that story, though we know it and it be good, Lord, you did bless him and multiply his descendants and the governance of the land under his hands. You blessed him abundantly and even in the New Testament, it speaks of Abraham and attests his faith to righteousness. And Lord, I thank you for every person here. How we respond to that question does... does gospel inside me exceed the problems that surround me. Lord, I thank you for this example. 
I thank you for the power of your spirit that is at work. Through this epic tale in our life. If you're here this morning, you're like, James, I... I understand the, the, the story. I, I see what you're saying there, but I don't, I don't have a relationship with God like Abraham. I don't even know what that would be. To sacrifice something so great. But I don't, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out on that hope that you've spoken of. That love of God to be poured out in my heart. My experience of the love of God. It's like the love I have for my two children. It's that love that if you're a creator, if you're a joiner or a builder, if you're an artist, it's that love for that work, creation that you've been a part of. That love of God for you is that the same that God would create us in his image and has that same love for us that hope that I speak of imagine that that hope is for us and hope to me is this confidence and assurance in God that no matter what happens I know that he is my Lord and my Savior and he will get me through and this morning with all eyes closed and heads bowed if you've never accepted Jesus into your life, if you've never received that gift of love and hope poured out in your spirit in this morning that you would love to accept Jesus as your Lord and experience that love and that hope, why don't you just raise your hand where I can see it right across this auditorium. If that's you, just raise it and lift it up just so I can see it and identify it. the power of God at work in your life to see transformation. Just one last time with any eyes closed, heads bowed. If that's you, just raise your hand. I'll see it and I'll say thank you. Put it down. It's the gospel inside of you exceed the problems that surround you. I want you to carry that forward. Go to Genesis 22. And in 2019, I want you to step out in faith and confidence that He is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than anything that you have either hoped or dreamed of. God bless you. Thank you for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message has impacted you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us at c3hobart.org.au.